Last week, I had this opportunity of, of up in Portland. They brought everybody in together, and we had the chance of going into a store. And as we went into a store, we saw the assembly, if I can put it that way, in different facets and what, how they wanted to us to operate. Well, the advantages of this store director meeting, we had some advantages is this. You get a chance to look at what's coming up. And when I came to, let's just say, what inspired the sermon was actually this moment I'm standing before this cake that's decorated as a warlock. And the definition actually that comes out is it's Harry Potter. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Harry Potter situation or stories, but this Harry Potter is really catching on, quote, and the books are selling fast and some of these things are really kicking in the gear. I couldn't help but think to ourselves how we came out of what we came out of just now, coming out of the Feast of Tabernacles and what it really represented compared to what this world views and how they take these holidays and how they apply them and what, how, how wicked they really are. I'll get into that in a, more of, a, I guess, the situation. A Thursday morning, I went into my store early, and I get to do some of my favorite things. I get to start taking the Halloween stuff out. So that's kind of a fun mode. And as you reduce it, knowing that that's going away, well, it didn't get much better, because in this situation, what did it get replaced with? Christmas. So you can just look at the picture and say to yourself, where's man's thoughts? The feast in this situation, what, what did it do for us? We left this feast, and I, I left it in a very high spiritual note, if I can word it that way. And as I walk into the world, I, all these things are inundating society. We need to look at ourselves and take a look at what these next couple weeks, for example, mean to us and where we need to be and where we need to apply ourselves. That's something we need to look at. When we think of God's laws, when we think of God's principles, we need to ask ourselves straightforward, how bad this world really is. What did John see? What was the vision that Christ actually gave him? More than that, take a look at all the prophets. You think about a time period where it says it'll be like never seen before. And you think about what you read with Noah. You think about what you read in different parts of these time periods, what we're living in today and what we see and what we allow, uh, what we're allowed to see by God Almighty. Remember in this situation, for example, Lot. I do that every, every time this time of year when I take apart these displays. And I think about myself, Lot was vexed. Are we vexed? We need to be. We should be. Because what we see in today's society is a different concept of what we should be living and how we should be living. Good example in this situation, as I stated already, is this coming of this holiday, Halloween. What I'm going to do today, as I'd like to do, is I'm going to dissect the holiday. And I'm going to get into its roots and basically what's covered. Because I think it's timely. And I think that when we get to it this year, as we look at it, we should be locking our doors. We should be turning our lights off. And we should be doing all we can to get out of it, outside of it. You'll, you'll understand more of that, I think, as I go on. Do we see this holiday in the situation for what it really is? And how God's thoughts concerning such a pagan custom actually reflect and should be reflected through ours. Isaiah, let's turn to Isaiah first, 55. Now as I was putting this sermon together, I, I kept writing. And as I kept writing, because I did all this research concerning Halloween. And as I'm doing this research on Halloween, there's not very many biblical principles. I don't, uh, don't mislead that, I guess. There's not many very physical, biblical principles that state Halloween in the situation uh, without concepts. Let me explain that. Turn to Isaiah 55. 
first of all. Isaiah 55 and verse number 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. That's really what I'd like you to think about today. Because it's your thoughts that get you in trouble. That's really what the difference is. The situation there is you might not act on it, but your thoughts is really what you're going to be evaluated with in by as first fruits. Your thoughts, where they need to be. The unrighteous man, his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not, we heard this at the feast as well, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As we get into this holiday, we need to look and say our perspective. What's our perspective as far as this situation takes place? I'd like to talk about this physical holiday and compare it to how we should be thinking. To title this sermon straightforward, Man's Thoughts. Now, I, I'm going to do this in three different ways. First of all, it's society around us, their thoughts. And then it should be our thoughts, because we should be in between trying to overcome to try to get to God's ways and his thoughts. That's what we're, we should be aspiring to. We should look and see there should be a definite separation between what we see in today's society and where we're thinking today. Man's thoughts. Let's look at the thoughts concerning Halloween, for example. Let's consider our thoughts, and then let's finally consider God's thoughts. And that's what we're going to do. You'll see this as this uh, accumulates within the sermon. First of all, let's look at, in the situation, man's thoughts. What's the purpose of this widely accepted pagan holiday? What's the purpose, first of all? firsthand. Has anybody ever really sat down and thought about it? What do we see today? You know, it's interesting because Halloween is the number one candy consumption holiday. Like, that's a big surprise. But how about this? It's also the number one alcohol consumption holiday. Did you know that? We sell more beer and alcohol even than New Year's on Halloween. It is the number one party quote, if you want to word it that way, holiday in the retail merchant business. That's kind of a scary concept when you think about what people do. Now you look at it, first time. Okay, looking at man's thoughts. A time period when men in the situation place a pumpkin. Now pumpkins really didn't even come into the scene until like the 1800s, and it was in America. We're the ones that brought it to play. So you're looking at a situation here where the pumpkin, it was a potato or it was other things. But this pumpkin we put on our front porch we light a candle in it with a carving on the, on the pumpkin. What type of things do we see on the carving? You know, you take a look at even the pumpkin carving kits. Because I do this at work. I'm sitting there, just, I can't believe it. You take a look at the pumpkin carving kits, and it shows this skeleton crawling out of the pumpkin. All these things you can create with this kit. We're going to understand today, before this is over with, what this holiday is all about. And where the world's mindset is. You think about how involved all these different religions, if I can word that away, allow this within the sex or their body. So you allow a pumpkin in the front porch, okay? And you do something else. You bring your children into the game. And you dress them up as dead things. I say that. That's exactly what you do. You dress them as, as ghosts, werewolves, vampires, monsters, zombies. You put them in dead individuals' clothing, and then you parade them around the streets. 
You think of Isaiah, our thoughts and not your thoughts. Never once asking in this situation. They're just caught up in the tradition. What's with the apple? Why is apples always go on sale and apple juice on Halloween? Do we ever ask ourselves these questions? We don't. At least we do. A lot of us have done study into it. But you look at the situation here, the world does not. They just accept it. Your thoughts. Then we have your thoughts. This is man's society. I'd like to go midline, where your thoughts need to be. Where should they be during this pagan practice? You need to look at it from that point of view. Well, we ask the question, what's the premise behind it? It's pretty easy to stand and sit there and say, this is God's plan of salvation. First of all, you're going to accept Christ, as we can read Leviticus 23. You're going to accept him. And then after your acceptance, you're going to actually remove sin. These are things that are applicable we should be doing. Then you're going to allow God's Holy Spirit to actually dominate you, your human nature, to remove some of these things. Then he's going to return and establish his kingdom. You're going to remove Satan the devil. Then you're going to live a thousand years of peace as the seventh day, this Sabbath day we're in today, represents this peace. And then there's going to be a final judgment, and all these things will be removed. We will live in peace. Make sense? You take a look at the situation, what you see today, with these world holidays. They don't make sense. Actually, they go a sense beyond that. When I'm done with today, if you're as sick, as, sick about it as I am, that's what we should be. We should take a look at the situation and say, listen, we, to do things correctly, we should be as far removed from this position, or from these people's position as possible. When this world observes holidays, do they ever ask why? Before I went to the Feast of Tabernacles, I had an individual, my third man, he's no longer with my, my store, but he um, comes to me and goes, so you don't keep Halloween at all? Now, he's new to me. I said, nope, I don't. He said, well, you know, I understand, you know, the witches and such, but what I don't understand is, you know, like we have a great time with it, our Sunday school. What I do is we get them all together, we judge them, and, you know, we give them candy, but, you know, it's, it's a nominal thing. And he, knows, he knows my entire concept, I guess, on, on the viewpoint. But the point comes straight forward is this, is everything he said was his thoughts. He rationalized it, justified it, and then he gave the reason why he did it. Now, when you walk into a situation and you have to do that, my first premise would be, is it before God correct? As we get into some verses today, which I haven't done very many, I, I agree, right at th this point. But as we get into the verses, we need to take a look at God's thoughts. Because our premise in the situations should be different from theirs, from man's today. We should be going into his. Have you tried in the situation, he tried justifying these Sunday school dress-ups? Even though he acknowledged that some of these things that they dressed him up as were not godly. But how many different individuals do you know that, quote, are good people, allow their children to participate in this, in this function? Probably a lot. What's being taught to these children? You take a look at this holiday and it's a transition. Let me state it in this fashion. Why is it the number one party holiday today? My age group, I remember the kids going out and getting candy, going home changing clothes, going out and getting more candy going to the same houses that were the, the good ones. 
you can do that, I guess, in that premise. But now those individuals are my age. And they have no trouble coming in and buying beer and alcohol, etc. But they're teaching their children. You know, why did God in some situations, when he stated what he did, you go in and you destroy it totally? Everyone. What's being taught? Dress up like a spirit. Dress up like a witch is okay. That's being taught. What's being learned? I tell you, that behavior is exactly what's being learned. Same thing. We ourselves need to understand. We need to be able to instruct anyone who asks us. That's what the purpose of today is about. They say meet in due season. This is a very pagan custom. And by the time I'm done today, hopefully you, you see exactly what I'm stating. Knowing where Halloween originated, we better come to a time period where what we're living in today. We are going to see the most wicked, evil times of all time, aren't we? This is a great premise. This, ask yourself in this situation. This is my premise. This third man makes a statement to me. Well, yes, I'm a Christian. And he is, quote, today's, by today's standard, a Christian. He's accepted Christ, he states, as his personal Savior. And that's all I qualify. That's all he needs to do. Is it? Take a look at the situation here. How did this creep into Christian culture? If you want to word it in that fashion. This world mainstream accepts it. 607 AD, Rome regained power from the barbarians. And as they regained their power from the barbarians, they made a, they made a room called the Pantheon, actually a, a major building. And what they did with it, they took all these gods that these barbarians and other individuals actually accepted, and they transitioned it, quote, with this church that Rome brought with them. And basically what they did was this. In 610 A.D., they reconverted, if you want to word it that way, to a different passing. Now you have a situation here where in 607, all these pagan gods, this pantheon of gods, was available to you. Well, now they revised it. They threw in a different meaning. Virgin Mary, saints, different things you saw before them. They did this because they had one thing in mind, which I'll get to in a second. I had one thing in mind. It wouldn't be accepted by the pagans unless they went to certain, a certain degree, and it wouldn't be accepted by the Christians unless it went to a certain degree. There was an acceptance level given. But the date was given, which, quote, the exact day was given, was May 13th. Now we see today, October 31st. How did this holiday transition? I got looking into different books, and actually the internet's quite explicit. It gets into a lot of detail. As you go, you go in the situation here, so May 13, 610 A.D. was the first, and they called it this, All Saints Day. That's by direction. So now you're dealing with the situation that 610, you got a group in Rome that has an All Saints Day, where what did they worship? They worshipped dead saints. Now that's a pretty, pretty uh, major statement, because when I get into what I'm trying to get to here today, we need to look at what the premise is behind this holiday. They worshipped dead saints. Not living. Not anything in this fashion, obviously. They were looking still at the dead. Even at, quote, as a church. Why was that important? Because all these other gods, dead gods, it was easy for the transference from these pagans to take the transference from one dead body to another dead body. That's something they could relate to. Pretty interesting comment. Now, for 224 years... Now, that's a pretty major statement. 
you think about how long a period of time that is. For 224 years, the battle of non having unity continued. There was not unity within that realm. So, in 834 AD, the transition took place. To actually get all the pagans on the same page, they transferred All Saints Day from May 13th to November 1st. And what, what is the significance of this situation? Well, November 1st, they called it All Hollow. All Hollow means All Holy. In is a contraction of evening. It's an All Holy Evening. So they took November 1st and they transferred it to October 31st. All this is actually premised, and you can read about it in the books of Halloween, actually on the web. Interesting stuff. It adjusted from November 1st, calling it All Hollow. Why November 1st? Ah. November 1st was the same exact day the Norse, Germanic individuals, and the Druids kept. November 1st. They called it All Souls Day. Now, to get everybody in a union thinking the same direction, they took these individuals, All Souls Day, moved it to the 1st of November. And in this situation, didn't ask the question, or if they did, obviously they did. Uh, I would state they did. They asked the question in this situation, what was All Souls Day all about with these Druidic people, these Druids, these Celtic individuals up in England? All Souls Day was a commemoration of a god, the god of death, the lord of death. Hence, ghosts, witches, monsters, mummies. Saman, <clears throat> the lord of death, commemoration. This is a good time to see in the situations where these customs came from. A jack-o'-lantern actually is pretty relatively new to this program. It came off of Irish folklore. And what the folklore is is this. Jack could not make it in the situation to heaven because he was a miser. He could not in the situation go to hell because he tricked the devil. So he was a spirit that in this situation was continually roaming. He could not have a home. He did not have a place to go. Now read in between that, brethren. This is what society's taken today. You have a situation where the candle and the jack-o'-lantern is an invitation for the soul to come to your house. These individuals in this situation actually lit torches to go out to look for those bodies, for those ghosts, spirits, to invite them in. That's where this tradition comes out. That's why the lights are on on Halloween. Straightforward situation. The Festival of Samhain. It means summer's end. It marked the beginning of the cold season, death and darkness. Okay, all these are pre precepts. I have to actually build it up to get into, then we get into the biblical premise, where this came from. Because there is a biblical premise where this came from. On Halloween, Druids played, <coughs> prayed in the situation for the dead to come out of their graves. That's what they did. They prayed for these individuals to show up. Come out of the graves and deliver uh, in the living in the situation to honor Simon, the Lord of death. They prayed for these spirits to come. And that's what you're looking at in a situation whenever you dress up and they go out and they do all these things. That's exactly the participation that these individuals are actually hailing. This Lord of death. Why November 1st? From May 13th to November 1st? Let me ask a question. How many times have you heard the same statement? Why do you go to church on Sunday? 
you know the response of an individual that says that? When you can actually get them nailed down and say, well, listen, you don't kill. You know, you don't have idols if you know when you want to get technical. But they have the same hang-up all the way through the board. The fourth commandment. My brother. I'll pick on him again. But I make the comment directly. I say to him, why Sunday? His comment back, straightforward. Because that's the day most people want to go to church. Well, isn't that convenient? It's not obeying God. Again, it's man's thoughts. You take a look at the situation, the transition, it's exactly that. It was easy for this transition to take place as long as there were certain acceptances. And that's what they did. They compromised. Not that they had the truth, but in this situation, what do we do? We see the same thing. They compromise. People come to compromise pretty easy. They rely in the situation on what everybody else did. We can get more people to come if we have it on Sunday. Is it true? Take a look at the secular world. Yeah, it's true. But it's not obedience to God. Their thoughts, your thoughts, God's thoughts. Straightforward situation. Premise behind this day. This is the premise behind this day. And this is what it all comes down to. You know what it is? Men won't die. That's it. Because if there's really a grave, and you're really dead, and you have to wait for Christ to return, I'm going to die. Isn't that what the Bible says? But that's not what's stated by mankind today. Druids believed these bodies transition from one to another to another. If I died, I'd go somewhere else, whether to an animal, to whatever it might be. Not biblical premise at all. Men cannot die. We have an immortal soul. They celebrate it in the situation, a collection of lost souls. We won't die. How convenient, because that's what we get into today. How it came to be, what does the Bible in this situation say about the resurrection of souls? All right, let's get into 1 Thessalonians. We approach the topic today. All in premise, we look at this holiday and how these people come to play how these people point of point of view have been developed. First Thessalonians four and verse thirteen. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Straightforward situation. They're not alive at all. These individuals. <clears throat> that ye not sorrow, even as others, which have no hope. Well, isn't that a definition of what you're looking at here? Isn't that the premise? You have no hope in the situation if you if you die and you have not obeyed God, you've not done the things you need to before God, you have no hope. It's different from a first fruits point of view, isn't it? Where does hope come from? Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain up the coming unto the coming, of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is the description of what's going on. We heard about this at the feast. Now it's an interesting situation here where what you're doing with is a resurrection. Isn't it? So where's Halloween premised? You have a soul that won't die. Where did it come from? Turn to 1 Kings. Halloween is premised in the Bible. 1 Kings. 
First Kings in verse 28. Whereupon the king took counsel, and he made two calves of gold, and he said unto them, This is Jeroboam we're talking about here. He said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Now what was the command of God? What's the command in Zechariah? It is too much of you to you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods. That's what he's saying. Behold, this is what I'm going to give you. And look at what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make it easy on you, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. What brought them out of the land of Egypt? So already we got man-made premise, their own rationalization justification. Listen, it's too far to travel to Jerusalem for the feast. Don't do that. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to set this up for you, and this is where you're going to need to go. This is what you want to do now. That's what's being stated. And he set one in Bethel, and the other part, and the other put in Dan. Put he in Dan. So you have two different places, the furthest locations, if you look at it, of this country. Furthest locations. So now you have two different places you can actually worship. And you're worshiping in the situation a golden calf, which, quote, he states brought you out of Egypt. Actually, the situation there is quite the contrary. They brought them out of Egypt. These are two pagan, the pagan calf come from, came from Egypt. So it's interesting how he, he twisted that. And this time, and this thing came a sin, and the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made a house high priest, and he made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. So in this situation, he took it out of God's hands, which were Levites, which were given that uh, priesthood, and he made it of the lowest of the people. Now, it's pretty easy when you read that. Lowest of the people, your first concept in this situation is, so he made the lowest of the people, who would that be? Somebody in this situation that doesn't understand? Would it be a drunkard? Would it be? That was my first assumption. That's not what it means. Statement lowest of the people means this. He made priests out of people in the region. In other words, it's just off the normal people. What he did in the situation was they were close in proximity. Everything he did was, quote, for convenience. You, can't, you don't go to Jerusalem anymore, brother. That's what he's stating here. This is what we're going to do. You're going to go to Dan or you're going to go to Bethel. And more than that, what you're going to do in addition to that is I'm going to make a priest that lives in Dan. See, now you don't even have to leave Dan. Dan's been taken care of. That's what it means. Making the priest of the lowest of the people in this situation, <laughs> which were not the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto a feast that, <clears throat> that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing of the calves that he had made <clears throat> that he had made, and he placed in Bethel the priest of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel, the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which is which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. You know, when it says the heart is wicked above all things, you need to pay attention to that. Take a look at the situation which just took place here. So not the seventh month and the fifteenth day, but in this program, it was the eighth month and the fifteenth day. A month later in this situation, the celebration. Notice the changes that took place. The people are commanded to go to Jerusalem to worship. Jeroboam changed the month. 
They allowed, they were allowed in the situation to worship two gods. They broke the Godhead of one. And now all of a sudden there was two images, two things to worship. All these things are going to be important, as I explain it later down the road here, later today. And they also took the priesthood away from the Levites, setting up men who reside, in, in the exact tense it says, who reside among their neighbors. That's what it means. What did this cause Israel to do? 2 Kings 17. 2 Kings 17 and verse number 9. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places, that built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burn incense in all the high places, as did the heathen, whom the Lord carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. And they served idols, wherewith the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel, and against Judah, by all the prophets, and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments. And my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants the prophets. Simple. We take a look at the heathens' ways. We take a look at what they were told to do. And we take a look at what God tells us to do. His mindset. All defined here. Do we? We're held accountable the same way. Do we hold fast to his commandments, his statutes, according to his law? Someday we hope to be teachers in that world tomorrow, and someday we hope to be teaching this law. The question is, how can you teach it if we're not practicing it ourselves today? Verse 14, Notwithstanding, they, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like the, the neck of their fathers. They did not believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his statutes and his covenant, and they made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments in the Lord their God, and they made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped in the host of all the host of heaven and served Baal. Baal. So what were they worshipping in this situation? What's going on? This is just an enhancement of what we read in, in 1 Kings. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel, and removed them out of his sight, and there was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Pretty major statement, because where did these people go to? And Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they had made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel, and afflicted them, and delivered them unto the hand of spoilers, until to he had cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam drave Israel from the following of the Lord, and he made them sin, a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which they, he did, and they departed not from them, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants and prophets. So was Israel carried away out of his sight, <coughs> out of his own land, to Assyria unto this day. Where were these individuals carried to? Where did these ten tribes go, brother? Let me answer that directly. 
Where did they go? They were up in the Germanic areas. They were the Norse. They were in England. Where did this custom come of Halloween? You're reading about it right now. This was an adjustment period. This was another, a fake eighth month holy day period, if you want to put it in that fashion. This was set up by a man. What did they do? What did they cause in the situation? Where did these Tron tribes go? They were carried away by Assyria. Divination in the situation means witchcraft. What do you see practiced in this holiday season? Enchantments are practicing for, fortune-telling in this situation and observing times. What do you see today? You see warlocks. You see witches. You see ghosts. You see predictors of things. Incredible. Absolutely incredible to think that anybody that called themselves Christian could allow any of their family to actually sit down and participate in this. What was God's view in this situation concerning Jeroboam? Exodus 20. Go to the basics. Exodus 20 and verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It says besides me, actually, is what it means. Besides me, that's it. That's the only God you should have. These two molten images were absolutely a slap in God's face. Direct. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. And thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. A lot to be said here. Deuteronomy 12 and verse number 1. These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe and do in the land, which the Lord thy God and thy fathers giveth thee to possess it, all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars and break down their pillars and burn their groves with fire. And thou shalt hew down the graven images of their gods, and destroy the names of them out of that place. Out of that place, ye shall not do so unto your Lord, your, the Lord your God. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose, come out, <coughs> come of all your tribes to put his name there. Even unto this habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. Verse number nineteen. Take heed to yourself that thou forsake not the Levite as long as thou liveth upon the earth. A lot of things stated here where you take a look at how Jeroboam absolutely did a 180 transition from what God states to do. Did he not know these laws? Was he not called up on them for them? In this viewpoint, were they not brought to him? Make it easy in this situation to involve everyone in this world as much as possible into a one world religion, if you want to put it in that fashion. Do we see it today? Isn't it easier when you see a whole bunch of people up there saying all we need to do is love? Yet they're going to allow participation in the things which we see today. For example, this holiday. All we need is love. Is that accurate? Maybe if it was true. Not for the better point, premise. Why the 15th day of the 8th month? A counterfeit for obviously God's Feast of Tabernacles. That's all this was. That's all this is. A resurrection of souls. When's the resurrection actually going to take place, brethren? It's not an immortal soul. 
twist. We're never going to die. You know, we are free moral agents, aren't we? I bring that up because not everybody in the situation conformed. Second Chronicles 11. We are free moral agents. Second Chronicles 11, verse number 13. And the priests and the Levites that were in all of Israel, all Israel, restored to him out of their coasts. For the Levites left their suburbs and their possession, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his sons had cast them out from executing the priest's office unto the Lord. And he ordained him priests over for the high, for the high places and for the devils and for the calves which he had made. Not everybody in this situation conformed. These individuals still went to Jerusalem as they were commanded. Halloween is a simple holiday to me. It should be to you. Anytime you see a ghost or you see a Dracula, if you want to word it, or a mummy walking around, we should say this is wrong. Anytime you sell something that squeezes out that looks like blood, I'd tell you directly this is wrong. Anytime you see a spider, if you know me and spiders, my first reaction is it will die. Yet you're going to put it in a balloon and it's going to float around and kids are going to take it home on this holiday. I tell you, it is wrong. Do we take it that way? Even if you in this situation had very little biblical knowledge, I'd have a tough time believing you could stand before God and say, well, we didn't know this was wrong. Personally. It is a celebration to honor the Lord of the dead. That's what it is. And these individuals that walk, they celebrate or they take part in that celebration. Participation is taking part in that celebration. You know, this I mentioned earlier the Pantheon. The god of that Pantheon, a Roman, I, think, I want to say her name was Pompeii or, or something of that nature, but she was the god of fruit, etc., that type of thing. It's a good way to take something like that and actually give a tainted look to it, if I can word that away. Where does the apple come from? From this goddess. That's why they tie it into the same holiday. It's a celebration to honor the Lord of the dead. The death. How does God view that, brother? Let's turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22 and verse 31. <clears throat> he gets in this conversation concerning resurrection. Matthew 22 and verse... Well, let's begin in verse number 30. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Honor should never go to a God of the dead. This is a pagan custom that was brought upon Druid by Druid beliefs, and people have bought into it. Look at it for what it is. Men today are not worshiping God. What are they worshiping? Turn to Psalm 6. Psalm 6, and verse number 5. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? Psalm 115. Psalm 115, and verse 17. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. This is not a situation with the dead serve God. It doesn't happen. Their thoughts 
where ours need to be, and ours need to be very much directed. We need to be on the overcoming pattern to get towards God's thoughts. Isaiah 55. The dead serve not God. They do nothing in this situation until Christ returns. Understand that premise. There is not a mortal soul. Only God in this situation can resurrect. Revelation 1. Revelation 1 and verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive ever, forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell, the grave, and of death. Christ is the only way. That's what we need to understand. We look at the situation. We look at what these people do today. We need to shake our heads. Who is this pagan god, Simon? The Lord of the dead. Where does that come from? Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 and verse number 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Who is this Lord that they worship? Satan the devil. Straightforward situation. You get all these individuals together. You get them drinking in revelry. You get them to do trick or treat, if you want to put it in that fashion. And what are they doing? All this is just in one statement. They're there serving Satan the devil. That's all they're doing. Bottom line. That's the formation. Galatians 4. Galatians 4. In verse number 8. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did serve unto them which by nature are no gods. That's a question. By nature you serve someone. That's not who we serve. That's not our track, if you want to word it in that fashion. You know, we came out of a beautiful Feast of Tabernacles. And our concepts and everything, we should understand how that plan of salvation fell together. We can see it. There's no visual problem with us, brother. There's no confusion. But you take a look at these people today, how can they stand before their children and say, we're going to dress you up as a ghost? Do they know what a ghost is? Men are rebellious. They won't fall in the line, will they? This world is going to have to be retaught someday. Are you preparing yourself for that? What's the premise between Halloween, behind Halloween? Men are immortal. That's it. They're going to live forever. That's the premise behind Halloween. What's the premise behind most nominal Christian, quote, if you can word it that way, beliefs today? Men are immortal. You die, you're either going to hell or you're going to heaven. That's it. Understand the difference between their thoughts and where ours need to be. You know, have you heard that before? Men will never die. Yeah, we did. Let's turn to Genesis. Genesis 3. Begin in verse number 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the garden, uh, of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Pretty direct statement. It, what it means is you'll be in the process of dying. It didn't mean immediately. In the process of. And what was the response of the serpent? 
And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. That's what man is weighed upon all this time. That direction. We're not going to die. The soul goes somewhere else. Something else takes place. What did Semiramis say about Nimrod? He's not dead. Modern day beliefs stem from what? What's being taught? These things that were taught by these druid priests. And it's allowed itself to actually, so to say, inundate modern concepts. You know, when you turn on a thing and they have a show just on Halloween, how great it is. You need to look at that for what it is. There's no humor behind it. Druids taught the immortality of the soul. Immor- immortality of the soul. It passed one form from one body to another. The dead are not really dead. Is that our belief? Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy 12 and verse number 30. Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by the following them after they which destroyed from before thee and that thou inquire not after their gods saying how did these nations serve their gods even so I will do likewise thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God for every for every abomination to the Lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods and even their sons and their daughters have they burnt in the fire to their gods look at the traditions of this holiday what did the Druid, Druidic people do it was human sacrifice, brother. And they took their children, and they did exactly what's being stated here. The world is becoming a cultic. It's being inundated by that concept. We need to make sure we're removed from that. This holiday features man's thoughts. It is motivated by satanic concept. If that's not clear at this point, I don't know what I can say. To enhance it. Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18 and verse number 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do those abominations of those nations. For there shall be there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or use this divination, which means witchcraft, or an observer of the times, practices magic, is what that's stating, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consultant with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. All these individuals in the situation, necromancer is somebody that communicates with the dead. We don't participate in it. We don't get involved in it. We stay away from it. That's what it's telling us to do. That's God's thoughts. Exodus 22. Exodus 22 and verse number 18. What does God view? How does God view the situation? Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. How can somebody read something like this and then they dress their daughter up as a witch how can somebody read something like this and then they allow their child in this situation to buy a harry potter book that teaches witchcraft pretty straightforward situation verse number 20 he that sacrifices unto any god save unto the lord only he shall be utterly destroyed they will die absolutely difference in concept revelation 22 Revelation 22 and verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, and they have right to the tree of life. They may enter through the gates into the city. For without, these won't wake it. In other words, our dogs, 
Break it down. Those who are effeminate. Homosexuals. You know, we can say it. People don't, don't buy it. You look at the difference in today's society. Their thoughts. Sorcerers. Witches. Warlocks. These things that we see today in this holiday. Whoremongers. Murderers. Idolaters. And whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. All put together in the same basket. They're not going to qualify. That's God's words. We are in the situation viewing a man's concepts. What they came up as a compromise. A pagan holiday mixed with what they said to be something with a church. Our ambition needs to be striving for God's thoughts. Take a look at this program all the way around. This is a holiday where they are serving Sama. It is the festival of Samhain. Also in a situation called a festival, a harvest of souls. And what they do is in the harvest of souls is actually a replica of what Jeroboam set up. Same things. Divination. Passing the children through the fire. The same things that they had learned from these countries that were around them. That God says an abomination before you. We were talking in Portland. And our conversation in Portland went something like this. Uh... With everything going on in today's society, I've already I got these nice deals that go right in my window. Uh, downstairs basement, so they cut it and all lights are out. But you think about how we have to hide from such a pagan custom in today's world. And think about how the safety of our children, I mean, to take a child trick-or-treating, if you want to wear that away, where you're worried about if they get something that's laced with something that can kill them. How would you live with yourself if you were a parent? The participation are the activities of allowing your thoughts to go to a party, to dress in this fashion, is not of God. It would be contrary. And hopefully in this situation you see it. Understand the thoughts of what society we live in today, where our thoughts are now, and where they need to be.